And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning and welcome to the show. Of course, it is a correction territory day. Yes, uh, yesterday the markets did decline and actually touched on what they consider to be market correction territory. Actually, it sounds terrible, but it just means the market's down 10% from the peak. And this is where we were back in January as well. It's also back at the same level we were uh, in October. So really, the market's just done nothing for the last really several months. And it seems like the market's been very volatile and it certainly has. Um, We've had markets making new highs. We've had markets making 10% corrections. And this is something that we've talked about a lot in the past is that after a year, which we had in 2021, of just kind of a a market grinding higher, very small corrections. The biggest correction that we had in 2021 was just about a 5% correction. And we noted several times last year that when we eventually get a bigger correction, uh, one of 10% or, or potentially even more, that it would feel a lot worse than it than it was simply because it had been so long since we've had a correction like that. And look, 10% corrections are normal. Um, they happen basically once about every year generally. So it's not really outside the norm that you're having a 10% correction here. And particularly after you had a year where the market was up 25%, Um, you're having a bit of a correction here, just kind of pulling back off those highs. But again, it's been so long since we've had a correction like this. And of course, lots of headline news, right? Russia, what's going on there? Of course, the Federal Reserve and inflation and all these things are just kind of weighing on investor psychology. It certainly feels a lot worse than it actually is. But it's important to keep these things in perspective so that we don't make emotionally bad decisions. And you know, like we discussed a bit yesterday, markets are simply just sitting back on support here, have not really done or violated anything wrong in any stretch of the imagination. Now, this morning, markets are set to open up a little bit stronger. Dow looks to be up about 150 points this morning. Bitcoin, uh, which has become a proxy for investor sentiment, that's trading up about 2.5% this morning as well. So again, we're seeing some some buying at, you know, kind of seeing that kind of that buying attitude here at these lows and not surprising investor sentiment as measured by the American Association of Individual Investors, retail investor sentiment is very negative. And if you take a look at professional investors, they are at, at very negative levels as well. So this correction that we've been in here for the last month has certainly weighed on investor sentiment. There's been a lot of selling here, a lot of liquidation. Now, that actually is running in advance of the Federal Reserve actually hiking interest rates, which will be coming next month. So the Fed's expected to raise now by 25 basis points. There was a moment here that we thought the Fed would would raise interest rates by 50 uh, basis points. But because of this correction, because of risk in the Ukraine, um, it's now looking like maybe a 25 basis point hike and maybe they might just have to delay this. If we do get more of a geopolitical uprising and if this continues to increase in risk, uh, geopolitical risk in terms of economics and energy, and of course energy feeds into the inflation equation, 
we could actually even see the Fed start talking about having to push that rate hike off a bit because again, tightening, you know, hiking interest rates is a tightening of monetary policy and that's done to slow economic growth. And that's done to actually, and of course, by slowing economic growth, that's what lowers the inflation run. So again, the Federal Reserve may be getting plenty of tightening done already by the markets and by geopolitical risk. Because again, take a look at consumer confidence yesterday, that continues to erode. There's a big divergence right now between the conference board and the Michigan uh, sentiment index of, consumers, uh, of consumerism. And whenever there's a big gap that historically, that is near a kind of a peak in economic growth. So we're going to see, uh, again, this, this problem that the Fed is going to face is slowing economic growth at a time they want to raise interest rates, of course, and tighten monetary policy. You've got geopolitical risks that are rising. You've got the, the issue of what's happening with consumers here. Of course, all that liquidity that we injected into the system in 2020 and 2021, that $5 trillion worth of liquidity, that's now all been removed from the system. So now consumers are faced with higher prices because of that liquidity, but no support to actually be paying into it. So again, we are going to see markets move higher a little bit this morning. Not surprising to try to see a bounce off this. Again, there's still a lot of pressure on the markets near term. So again, don't get too overly excited here. We've got a lot of things to work through. Again, the risk that's happening overseas with, with uh, the Ukraine, of course, that whole uh, geopolitical structure there what's happening with headlines here in America, of course, that's all feeding into this very negative sentiment uh, of investors. And that is gonna weigh on, on markets. So every time we get a rally here, likely you're gonna wanna use that rally to continue to reduce risk. We've been kind of talking about that for the last uh, month or so. When we got this rally previously, we raised a little bit of cash there. We added a short position to portfolios. We'll probably do the same thing again on the next rally. And if we do take out this support, that we're currently sitting on right now. This is, this is why the support level is so important. The market needs to rally today and it needs to rally and stay above this level of support that we're sitting on. Now, yesterday we actually broke it, but rallied back up to hold it by the end of the day. So it's a technically we're holding that level of support. We need to rally today and that needs to sustain that rally all day today. Preferably we'll get a couple of day rally here, just a little bit of easing of the market. Uh, to help hold that support level. But a break below that level, there's not a lot of support here until we get down closer to about 4,000 on the S&P. So again, that could certainly uh, inure into a, a, a larger correction of 15 to 20% very quickly. So again, don't dismiss this level of risk that we're sitting on here because um, this is one of those very critical kind of junctures for the markets that can change very quickly. So again, Keep a watch on the risk level in your portfolio. Doesn't mean go all the cash. Doesn't mean make all big decisions that we're definitely going to go lower because there's no guarantee of that. But there's certainly plenty of risk in the markets. Now, on the, on the positive side, on the bullish side of the ledger, you do have very negative sentiments. You've got a lot of liquidity in, in markets because there's been so much selling here. A lot of mutual fund managers, hedge fund managers, et cetera, are, are very underweight equity now. They've been raising a lot of cash selling into this. So there's been there's a lot of liquidity technically out there that needs to be put back to work in portfolios. 
So again, any type of resolution that we see in the next few days, if there's any kind of, of movement towards a positive resolution of what's happening with Ukraine, we could see a fairly strong rally in the market. So again, you want to be careful not to be too negative in your portfolio because again, any positive development, we've kind of stretched the rubber band, so to speak, in this current environment as far as we can in one direction. And so to the downside in this case, so any positive development, we're going to see a reflexive rally that could actually be fairly strong. And you certainly want to be able to participate in that. So again, kind of keep a watch on that. We've got to get talk some more this morning about the economics of it. Also want to get into a bit of hindsight bias, a little bit of the psychology of what happens in the markets to investors, particularly when you have a correction. And we'll pick up on that right after the break with Danny Ratliff. Don't go away. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Your retirement is another year closer. Will your exit from the fast lane be a smooth one? RIA advisors can prepare you against the dangers and risks that could cause your retirement to skid in our next free retirement right lane class. Saturday, February 26th at the Embassy Suites Houston. Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff will bust mainstream financial advice. Explain how you can make the most of Social Security and Medicare and how to lower taxes in retirement. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. Welcome to the show this morning. Danny Ryliff joining me, of course, as always, as he does on Wednesday. Danny, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Doing well. Good. Um, before we get into um, talking a little bit more about consumers and consumer confidence and spending, I want to talk a little bit about hindsight bias and anchoring. And, and uh, this is psychologically, these are the mistakes that we make as investors when we're investing in portfolio. And, and, and you know, this doesn't show up during market rallies, right? As long as the market's going up, everything's fine, right? We don't have any psychological problems when markets are going up other than greed. <laughs> but what happens is that we start making psychological mistakes when you get into a correction. And again, as I was saying earlier, lots of headline risk here. Got it, right? We've got Ukraine. We've got what's happening with the Federal Reserve. We've got uh, inflation headlines everywhere you look. It's just, you know, plenty of things. It's like it's a it's a very scary moment in time right now. And and certainly lots of things to be concerned about. And I'm getting a lot of emails from people going, you know, shouldn't we just be all in cash? Yeah, you know, my portfolio's down. Yeah, it, you know, we're going through a correction. And we've talked about this numerous times that we said, look, when you get a correction, a real correction, not this, you know, kind of two, three, four, five percent drawdowns that we were getting in 2021, that when you got a real correction, it would feel 
a lot worse than it actually is. And that's exactly what's happening here. We've had a 10% correction in the markets, right? But it feels terrible. It feels like the whole world's coming to an end right now. And you certainly just want to be in cash and gold and bullets and beanie weenies. But it's not a great idea to manage your money that way. And there's there's two traps that we fall into um, specifically at this kind of current juncture. First thing is it's called anchoring. And this is where we anchor to a certain value of our portfolio. Well, at the end of the year, my portfolio was $100,000, and now it's $95,000 or $94,000. And I'm anchored to that high watermark of my portfolio rather than my portfolio was $70,000 at the beginning of uh, at the beginning of 2021, right? And I got to $100,000 and now I'm down to 94, right? We were anchor we anchor to that high water marker. We anchor to some mark in our portfolio and then we judge all of our other decisions based upon that that particular mark rather than looking at the portfolio over time and saying how am I doing towards getting towards my goal? That's the real question. And Lance, you'd be surprised. Many people could tell you the exact date it was at that high water mark. Yeah, because they look at it every day, which is stop doing that, by the way. <laughs> um, but anchoring is is a psychological thing that we get into. And, and again, we, we do this, as Danny says, you know, we we anchor to certain things in life. I, I, you know, ask anybody what they paid for their first house. They may have owned 12 houses in their life, but ask them what they paid for for the first house, and generally they'll tell you, "Oh yeah, I bought it in 1979. I paid eighty-five thousand dollars for this house, whatever it was." And they can tell you exactly what they bought it for and exactly what they sold it for. We anchor to these big event moments in our life, right? Or we anchor to these big numbers. But it's a bad thing to do when you're, you know, trying to manage your own money. The second thing is hindsight bias. We all have perfect hindsight. And we can't go back and correct the things that, well, you know, I should have just sold everything back in January. We're sure, you know, and, you know, if I could go back to, you know, February 28th of 2020, I would have been 100% cash and I would have bought everything back on March 31st of 2020 and it'd be great, right? I mean, hindsight bias is awesome. <laughs> can't manage your money that way. And, but these are the traps that, we get ourselves into psychologically that lead us down this path towards making a whole a whole bevy of other mistakes in our portfolio that we wind up regretting actually even more it's always important just to understand you are where you, you know one of the great myths I, I should say of the financial markets and you'll hear this from financial advisors a lot unfortunately is they'll say well you haven't lost money if you haven't sold it and that is absolutely not true. <laughs> Your portfolio is worth what it's worth every single day of the week, right? That's what it's worth. If you need to sell it today, that's what it is. And, and, and whether or not you've actually realized that, that loss or gain, either one, it is still there on your books, period. It is what it is. So it's important to not ignore losses and just say, well, I haven't sold it, so I really haven't lost any money yet. Yes, you have. And the question is, is it going to get worse? Do you own a stock or a position that is in a very bad position in your portfolio? Or do you own good quality companies that are just temporarily under pressure because of the whole market? And those are two very different things.
Peloton is a good example of a stock with financial troubles. You probably don't want to own it. Adobe's been under a lot of pressure, but it's a strong company and in the right space, and it's under pressure because of the whole market. So two very different companies. So it's important to make sure that you own the right companies. And, and this is just something that if you allow these other things like anchoring and hindsight bias and, and a variety of other psychological traps we get ourselves into, if you start letting those things influence your investing, you're going to wind up just compounding those mistakes over time. Just understand that no matter what's happened, forget it. There's nothing you can do about it. You can't go back and fix something that's already passed. Just accept where you are today and start saying, okay, look, the market's oversold. We're two standard deviations oversold right now. We're very stretched to the downside. We've got very negative sentiment. We're going to get a bounce here. What am I going to do on that bounce? And then the next thing you don't want to do is get into the next psychological trap, which is, okay, the market bounced, but it's going to, I hope, I hope it'll keep going up more and then I'll get back to even and then I'll sell stuff that, you know, no, that's, that's the other problem. <laughs> just understand the market's going to bounce and it may very well continue to go lower here, but things don't go just straight down. So use the next bounce, whatever it is, to start fixing those problems in your portfolio, you know, the things that aren't working the things that aren't recovering, sell those, trim other positions back, start to look at the hedge risk, you know, the things to do. And look, portfolio management's not perfect. Nobody ever gets it right. We don't get it right. Danny doesn't get it right. Nobody gets it right all the time. Markets are dynamic. They change every single day. Nobody was even talking about Russia, Ukraine last year, right? And this is and this is what we've said is that when you get a correction, it'll be some unanticipated exogenous event that nobody was expecting. Here you go. Right? But now we're very oversold. We're very negative. A lot of the Fed's first rate hikes are priced into the markets now. So the Fed now can hike rates and probably not impact the market a lot because a lot of that has already been kind of front-loaded into the markets. Now, the question is, is what happens after that? That's a different story. Danny, comments? Yeah, you mentioned a couple of things. I think one thing you mentioned a bit ago was that, you know, where are you in relation to your financial goals? And that's one thing I think is really important to keep in context and understand that, you know, have that financial plan, understand exactly what the overall impact is, and then how does that impact the, the family and your finances? And I think this is extremely important when you're looking at the big picture because we so often get caught on the anchoring aspect of things where we're looking at that high watermark and yet, we forget to think, okay, what is this money for? It's, it's here for a purpose. And I think it's easy to get caught up in the trends and, and uh, you know, oh, look how much money we made today. And especially you hear all of these, uh, you know, all the sentiment over the last year, especially with meme stocks. And now they're, I don't know if you know this, Lance, they're, instead of calling it meme, mm -hmm. they're calling it the YOLO stocks now. <laughs> okay. Yolo, yeah, this is news to me as well. But, you know, it's easy to get caught up in these these big returns. And so we have to understand what are these returns for? What's the end game? And I think that's what's really important to put that in context, understand it. So we stress financial plans. I mean, we stress them quite a bit in the sense that we want to know how much can you take from a downside. And, and hopefully we're not ever going to get to that point. But we want to play devil's advocate and make sure that, you know, you're prepared, your portfolio is prepared, and you can still meet each and every goal and your objective that you have. Now, you mentioned the Fed. Fed has been been all over the place. You know, we went just a week ago, James Buller talking about a 1% hike. Then, you know, we were talking about 50 basis points was priced in. And over the weekend, they came at what, a quarter, 25 basis points now. 
So the market has has to have a lot of this priced in here at some oh, point. Yeah, and absolutely. Nobody's even talking about them at the moment. Right. Well, and again, this is, you know, kind of, uh, you know, this is the, the risk, though, that we run is this. We pay a lot of attention to headlines. And the question is, is, A, are these headlines even valid? You know, are they are they actually telling us anything of importance? And we tend to negate taking, you know, focusing on fundamentals and the things that are important longer term. So, you know, these but this gets us back into this whole trap of, you know, psychology. You know, we're, we're worrying about things, A, that are out of our control and then trying to predict how markets are going to react to something that we have no control over at all. So this is really, you know, this is the, the problem. And this is why risk management becomes so important is just saying, look, if if the market's going to be down 10, you know, can I, am I OK with that? Does that really impact me to a great degree? Now, if I'm down 20, that's a different story. You know, if I'm down 20 percent. So keeping these things into context so you're not making a lot of knee jerk reactions is important. And, and again, you know, we've already tightened monetary policy to a, to a large degree. We've already tightened, you know, um, interest rates have been priced in, as I said a second ago. So really, if the Fed comes out and says, hey, we're going to hike rates 25 basis points, that may actually be good news for the markets because the markets were expecting 50 basis points. So, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a given that just because the Fed hikes rates now, because we've already had this correction, that markets are just going to fall off you know, the cliff and die. This is, and this is just going to make it very, and look, I'm not dismissing anything. There's certainly risk. And this is one of the more challenging markets that we've seen now in the last couple of years. And a lot of people just aren't, you know, don't remember what a challenging market looks like. And this is where we are. So we're just going to have to navigate this the best we can. This will resolve itself and we'll get back on track. But we've got to go through this process of wringing out stocks from weak hands so that people with strong hands can buy them. And that's, remember, this is the thing about investing is to buy when there's blood in the streets, but we don't like that when it occurs. <laughs> Be right back after the break. The Real Investment Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. Your retirement is another year closer. Will your exit from the fast lane be a smooth one? RIA advisors can prepare you against the dangers and risks that could cause your retirement to skid in our next free Retirement Right Lane class, Saturday, February 26th at the Embassy Suites Houston. Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff will bust mainstream financial advice. Explain how you can make the most of Social Security and Medicare and how to lower taxes in retirement. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. So let's uh, kind of... Uh, move on with the show here you know we talked a little bit about you know hindsight bias and these type of things and again it's interesting you know we're just getting a lot of questions so even on youtube right now should i invest in a commodity fund should i buy it we get a lot of questions you know should i get should i buy more energy stocks it, you're too late 
Um, defensive sectors are well ahead of themselves. And we've actually got an article being published today in Market Watch talking about is it time to sell energy stocks? Um, we'll publish it for you next uh, Tuesday as well. Um, but, you know, these stocks are have, have done great. Um, they're up, you know, six, you know, 17, 18 percent for the year, sometimes more. Markets are negative. So those outperformances will turn into underperformances. Look, we're going to get headline. We're going to get a, a reprieve from headline risk here fairly shortly. And those defensive sectors are going to start to underperform. Just uh, notice yesterday, right? I mean, yesterday we have this massive risk-on event, so to speak, in, in terms of geopolitical risk with Russia acknowledging the separatist regions and oil prices you know, kind of shot up in the morning. And by the end of the day, energy stocks had rolled over and, and sold into the negative. So that's just starting to tell you that we've kind of started to push the boundaries of these sectors. People have, have been chasing them. And so you're too late. You know, this and this is this is one of those psychological things, right? This is that hindsight bias at work. That's what worked. So it should keep working, right? No. Uh, that's you're you're too late now. If you didn't buy it, you know, two years ago, you missed it. We were we were here on the show in November of 2020 saying energy stocks are the worst performing asset class this year. It's going to be the outperformers next year, and and energy stock, and we added energy stocks to our portfolio back then, and they've been killing it ever since. But now that's over, for the most part. Doesn't mean go sell everything, but definitely take profits, start to reduce some of your risk in those sectors. We've done that already. Now you would be looking, and you know this is the old Wayne Gretzky analogy, right? Don't look at what did work. Look at what will work. Where are we going to do next? If we get this headline reprieve, which we will, then you're going to start looking at things that are already beaten down, right? Look for opportunities in areas that have really been beaten up. That's your growth sectors. That's technology. It's staples. It's discretionary. It's communications, um, financials. Those have, have been Those have underperformed and are beaten up in a lot of cases, especially in the tech sector. So look, you know, again, when there's blood in the streets, that's when you want to start buying stuff. You want to buy stuff that nobody else wants. If you're buying stuff that everybody else is buying, you're on the wrong side of the trade. You want to buy the stuff that nobody wants. That's that's the whole value of buying when there's blood in the streets. You want to you want to buy what everybody's throwing out. And right now in the tech sector, they're throwing out the good companies and the bad companies. Just make sure you can sort the difference. What a major shift, though. I mean, you think about it. We were talking about meme stocks last right. segment where everybody got on Reddit boards and social media to push these things way up. And now you're saying, wait, do the opposite. Don't yeah. buy what everybody else wants to buy. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, it's interesting is if you go by uh, I'm starting a new series on our Twitter feed called The Funniest Thing I've Seen on Wall Street, uh, Reddit. And I'm posting clips from all the stuff that, you know, used to be everything's going to the moon. I'm buying this. I've got Wall Street by the tail, you know, type thing. And we were writing articles a year ago saying this this will turn. It's a and, fad, yeah. Uh, and when it turns, it won't be good for retail investors. And and that has turned. And now the memes are all you know, room and board. <laughs> you know, this is this is my account. It just goes straight down. You know, those type of things. So again, but you know, the speculation always winds up badly. And, and yeah. you know, this is you know where you are. But again, look for the areas. You know, if I want to be a, a true investor. 
I want to buy stuff. I want to buy good quality companies that everybody else is selling because that's where I'm going to make my money. You don't you don't make money chasing stuff that everybody's already run up in price. So well, it's that old adage: the baby gets thrown out with the bathwater. Right. There's going to be a lot of good opportunities here, mm -hmm. and I think being able to understand that is going to be where many will benefit, especially historically when you look back. That's where money's made. Right. So um, uh, let's move on to the economy again. You know, one of the things that you know, and, and while we're talking about this, by the way, we're not dismissing the fact that there's a ton of risk in the in the economy, and there is. You know, we've been talking about we will have a slowdown economically this year. Profit margins will will come under pressure, and, and so when we're talking about buying things that people are throwing out, that doesn't mean just go buy everything right now. <laughs> yeah. um, it's probably going to get worse down the road, and we'll probably see a short-term reprieve in the markets, and we'll see markets rally a bit here. Again, we've just been under so much pressure for two months now. You're going to get a month or two where markets perform better. That's just the way markets work. And then we'll have another month or two where markets are under a lot of pressure again for one reason or the other. And, you know, the, the next set of pressures is going to be weaker economic growth, declining expectations, disinflation, Fed rate hikes, policy mistakes, those type of things. That'll be the next decline. And so, you know, this is what I'm saying. Be careful. But there's a lot of evidence that we're, we've seen a peak of economic activity Disposable personal incomes will be negative by more than 30% on a year-over-year -year basis in the next month or two. And that's because we're now starting to compare to the previous year where we had all that liquidity getting dumped into the markets and disposable personal incomes were being shot up abnormally because of people getting $1,400 checks to their households. Now that's gone. So the year-over-year -year rate of change in disposable incomes will be very negative. And this is going to start to reflect consumer sentiment and consumer spending. Well, it actually already has. If we look at consumer spending over the last six months, it's actually increased by 12%. So there's a, already, we're seeing an uptick there. Those direct deposits from the Treasury are gone. Right. So well, that was inflationary all by itself. Then you take that away. Now you have a bigger problem. And if we look at, you know, spring break travel plans, those have declined. I mean, we look at all the sentiment numbers here. They're not very good. And they don't bode well for a continue, continuous push for a healthy economy. Right. Because people are, well, and, and number one, when we do see some of the, the volatility markets, people tend to pull back as it is. And I think it's just, it's human nature. We say, wait a second, you know, and then if things get worse economically, I mean, we've had a bit of stagflation here. We've had, you know, little to no growth, considerable inflation, and, you know, we've had somewhat high unemployment. Depends on how you look at this, but we know a lot of, I mean, shoot, go try to go eat somewhere. <laughs> you know, I'm serious. I was no, with, true. I was with my son um, this weekend, and, and we were driving around running some errands. And we, he he loves Olive Garden, and we never go out to eat, and we never go to Olive Garden. So I was like, you know what? Look at this. There's a bunch of spots in front. Let's go cruise in here. We'll get in and out. I'll get a soup and salad. Be perfect. And um, no, we walked in, pulled a front row spot. There's 15 people inside waiting, sitting there. I thought, what in the world? I said, hey, it's going to be at least 20 minutes. Said, All right, let's go. But you know, to your point, I'm looking around, I'm saying, man, there's a lot of tables here, but there's not the people working. And so that's just the service industry, which is a good aspect of it. But a lot of different industries as well have, have moved on. We've seen automation takeover. We've seen people who, you know, hey, you guys were making too much money. We're going to go ahead and reduce headcount. And people that always landed on their feet, they're not doing what they historically did. Right. They're making much less. They've reinvented themselves or they're not working at all and just 
completely change their plans. So I think this is, you know, where we see things change economically now that all that stimulus is pushed out of the way. And like you said, looking at year over year numbers, things are likely going to look much different. Now you have that exogenous event you've discussed with Russia and Ukraine. But one of the big things is that I always find interesting and, you know, it's easy to get caught up in the moment is that the market hates uncertainty. So the moment we know or have a better understanding of what this Russia-Ukraine crisis looks like, the better the market will typically respond. Same thing with, with Fed and interest rates. You know, once we have a clear and concise plan, unless they throw a head fake and do something completely different, the market historically reacts much better. And even if we go back and look at times of war, the initial pullback isn't nearly as bad as what many suspect. And so right now, you know, I'm getting a lot of phone calls as well, Lance, and people are saying, hey, you know, what this war, do we need to step out and just be out altogether? Well, mm -hmm. I mean, last week we had the best day and the worst day we've had all year. In one week. Back to back. Yeah. Yeah, in one week. And, and it was basically on, you You know, Russia was going to, you know, they're moving troops away from the border. The next day, oh, no, they're really not. Um, you know, Fed talk, we have all these different things. But, you know, if we look back, the total drawdown historically is about 5% on major wars going back over time. And now, granted, we haven't seen one of, you know, I don't know what to expect. You know, all the headlines, if you look at any news outlet, you know, they're keeping you there because they're 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 making this, you know, maybe I'm not going to say they're making it bigger than it is, but historically, you know, these guys get paid for you to stay tuned in to the to the radio, to the television, to the news outlets. And they're going to make sure you're there by by having these headlines that are very eye catching. And so just be cautious. Take some of this with a grain of salt. Don't make those knee-jerk reactions like you were mentioning earlier, mm -hmm. Lance. I think that's the easiest thing to do is just say, throw your hands up. I'm getting all the way out. And historically, we see some of the best days after some of the worst. That doesn't mean, like you said, there's no risk here. But we're, we're not out of the woods by any means. But there's, there's certainly the possibility we could see some upside. Well, and, and again, the, the important thing here, though, is you know not to make knee-jerk reactions when the markets are down. Correct. And, you know, we've had several days of selling right in a row. Markets are very deviated to the downside right now. You've got very negative bearish sentiment. So make it, that's where you get sucked into this emotional decision-making process of, oh, I need to sell everything and get out. You know, it doesn't mean you shouldn't sell something, right? It doesn't mean you shouldn't reduce some risk. But wait for the markets to give you a, a rally like mm -hmm. we'll get today to sell into and then at least you're selling at a little bit better prices and and you can kind of evaluate better what's working and what's not working so well i love the hey i'm gonna get back in when it feels better yeah but you've already missed that upside right exactly <laughs> we'll talk about the hindsight bias again yeah <laughs> be right back after the break Investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Your retirement is another year closer. Will your exit from the fast lane be a smooth one? RIA advisors can prepare you against the dangers and risks that could cause your retirement to skid in our next free retirement right lane class. Saturday, February 26th at the Embassy Suites Houston. Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff will bust mainstream financial advice. Explain how you can make the most of Social Security and 
and Medicare, and how to lower taxes in retirement. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. reading this headline on CNN this morning. Phil Mickelson, deeply sorry for Saudi Golf League comments. He's now vowed to take a break from the game. The crowd get after him? I mean, I, yeah. It's, it's just at, at some point, you know, you know, I remember back, you remember back when we we're growing up, people make comments. It's like, just punch the guy in the nose. Be done with it. Yeah. <laughs> punch him, walk away. You're done. <laughs> You're done. Well, well, the, what the did he now say? I, I don't know. I just it was just a headline, you know. It just it, again, this is the whole thing, right? No matter what you say or do, somebody's going to try to cancel oh, yeah. you, right? Yeah. And just I miss I miss the days where you just hey, okay, pal, you got a problem with me? Let's just walk out back in yeah. the parking lot. We'll just sort this thing out and be done. Well, with poor, it. poor him. He what he's trying to do. So if you guys don't know the backstory with this, I don't so, know the backstory. So, so yeah, Saudi Arabia essentially came out and said they're going to start their own golf tour and they're going to pay these guys quite a bit more. So there's been a bunch of uh, divisiveness within the PGA Tour of some of these really big stars saying, hey, I'm going to support it because we're going to use this as leverage against the PGA to make more money ah. and to do other things. Phil was one of them. And so some of these other golfers were coming after him and other guys that were saying, ah, hey, we're you. open to this. We're, we're, we could entertain this idea. And which is a shame. I, I get it. You know, I, I understand the old school, like, hey, this is the way it's always been. This is the way it's going to stick. But um, these guys make a lot of money. So I, you can see a lot of people going after them. <laughs> they make a lot of money to, to hit a little ball into a hole. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, it's, it's not, not not all bad. You know, no, it's not bad. It's just you know, I don't have. I, wish I, I, could do I personally don't have a lot of sympathy for professional athletes when when they complain about working conditions or whatever. It's like you get paid fifty million dollars a year to throw a leather ball down a field. I mean, yeah. you know, to play sports exactly. Just you know, you've got very little to complain about. It's, yeah. not, it's like it's like it's like uh, movie actors, right? They get paid a hundred million dollars or whatever to make a movie, and they're complaining about stuff. I'm like, yeah, really, just kind of. <laughs> well, I can't imagine. I mean, I know just what you know. The audience that we have, that we get a little bit of grief from time to time. But imagine being on that that huge worldwide stage, yeah. and the amount of grief that people get, and then you know, you make a bad play, people are harassing you oh, for yeah. the next ten years. Oh, exactly. Of your no, life, you no, can't even go true. to the grocery store. No, it's 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 very true. Like I said, I just don't have a lot of sympathy. It's all about perspective. <laughs> yeah. So I was explaining to, to Danny off, uh, off when we were off air a second ago. You'll remember this movie, Wag the Dog. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I was just, uh, Danny hasn't seen it. Really? I haven't seen most movies, guys. I mean, at this stage in life, you know, if it's maybe Disney, this I've should seen be, some of this. <laughs> but this should be a signed that, viewing. Yeah, a signed view. You know, that's probably not a bad idea. But so, so Wag the Dog, if you haven't watched the movie, you should definitely go rent the, this movie and, and look it up on, you know, Netflix or whatever. See if see where you can find it. You'll have to probably search for it. But it was Robert De Niro, if I'm correct. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, so Robert De Niro stars in this movie. Um, and, as, and as I explained to Danny, it's, it's kind of like what's happening right now with this Russian war, right, with the Ukraine. And... You know, it's interesting because it's headlines all over the place about this war with Ukraine. When was the last time you heard anything about Build Back Better plan, tax plans, you know, any of the things that the Democrats were supposed to be working on 
coming up on the midterm elections right now, all you're getting is what's happening with Russia, Russia, Russia. Well, what Wag the Dog is about is that the president is in a lot of trouble over a illicit affair and his approval ratings are dropping. They're heading into the election and they're trying to divert attention away from this affair from the president. So they create a fake war in Albania. And the media is all over it. The media is covering it. Where? Yeah. And nobody knows where Albania is. And I, ironically, they just had a survey out the other day asking people where Ukraine was. And only 8% of the people actually correctly identified where Ukraine was. Shocker. Interesting. So, <laughs> so after you finish watching Wag the Dog... Follow it up with Charlie Wilson's War. Yes, that's actually a very that. good. You have seen that one. I have seen that one. Yeah. Now, see, if you haven't seen Wag the Dog, I, I don't <laughs> understand how you saw Charlie Wilson's War. I don't know. I, I may have seen Wag the Dog, too, but it was 30 <laughs> years ago. I mean, come on. <laughs> he must have had kids or something. Uh, some, something. Yeah. yeah. I, I he can has give a, you a detailed schedule thing, of what the, I do from day to day. And the thing is, is that he hasn't even migrated into the Marvel Universe yet. Once oh. he gets into the Marvel Universe with his kids, oh. it's all over. Yeah. We've gotten into yeah. a little bit of that, but, you know, it's probably a little bit more mature for them at I know, their that's age. That's what I'm saying. But you they're, gotta, you know, they've seen all the Rockies, so I figure, heck, you've seen those. We're, we're probably good. <laughs> you know, you <laughs> forget when you watch them on TV and you actually watch the real movies. Like, right. there's a little more cursing in there than you'd anticipate. And, uh, yeah. Kids may have picked up a couple of choice words from that. <laughs> That's right. And they will use those choice words at the most inopportune point. But they always use them correctly, <laughs> use them which correctly. is amazing. <laughs> like, whoa, you're, you're like, that context was fantastic. <laughs> I can't really be mad at you because you used it properly. <laughs> you're trying not to smile the whole time. Right. I mean, it's, not, it's not a frequent event. Well done. Now go yeah. wash your mouth out with soap. Exactly. That's right. So. I do have a bar of soap for those occasions. Exactly. I only think I've used it once. And, and that was Danny had to use it. So <laughs> Michelle washed Danny's mouth. That may have been Michelle because she's usually the one yelling at me for something. I'm sure. I'm sure. All right. Just kidding. Get ready to wrap up the show here. Uh, so markets are going to open up this morning. Dow uh, uh, looks to open about 230 points higher. The Nasdaq's going to be up about 170 points this morning. So as we've been talking about all morning, just you know, be careful making panic-driven decisions over headline risk and what's happening. So, again, what, you know, we see and what actually happens and what we think will happen are often two very different things. You know, we, we you know, if you take a look at, you know, headline, you know, headlines of the media right now is like growing fears of Russia, Ukraine war, right? War is in nobody's best interest, especially not not a dictatorship. It's not really in Russia's best interest. This will resolve itself likely in a more positive direction. So, you know, while things seem very negative, and, and, and I'm not dismissing the risk that there could be something much more, you know, negative about the outcome. Odds are that we're going to resolve this in a more positive outcome. I was listening to the radio this morning driving into the, to, uh, the, the station, and they're talking about, you know, if, if we go to war, it's going to be, you know, this massive bloody thing. And, and you know, it's, it's, you know, potential of nuclear holocaust. And, you know, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a reasonable expectation that cooler heads will ultimately prevail out of this situation. So try not to go live in a bunker just yet. 
and try not to make really bad decisions with your portfolio because, again, that's generally making very negative decisions. Odds are this is why you have bull markets a lot more than you have bear markets, right? Because generally markets work out to a more positive outcome and markets are very negative, very oversold. And a lot of this bad news has already been priced into the markets. That doesn't mean it's all priced in. It doesn't mean we can't have another downturn later. We certainly can. And it doesn't mean we're about to go back to a raging bull market. But odds are that we are due for a fairly decent corrective rally to allow you to rebalance risk in your portfolio. That's the important point here. Well, I think the other thing here is that, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic in a lot of ways with this because we've, we've had a market that's been so full of excess that it's going to get exciting in the sense that you will be able to go pick up those companies at much better prices. You never see like seeing money deteriorate or erode, right? right. And so this is always a difficult thing, I think, for most people to wrap their head around. But let's face it, there is a business cycle. A recession has not been taken out of it as much as we want to think that it has been. And at some point, I know there's, there's, um, you know, there, there's going to be casualties because mm -hmm. of it. However, from a, from a portfolio standpoint, if you can mitigate some risk on the downside, you can protect funds, raise cash along the way, there's going to be a significant opportunity because then you will have that opportunity to go buy. So if you're buy and hold, you're just going to have to write this down and write it back up. But if you can very thoughtfully and tactically manage these funds and you can say, hey, we have cash. Now, it doesn't mean you're all cash, but you can dip back in and you can find those opportunities. That's where there's a lot of significant upside. That's what gets me excited about when we talk about, you know, markets and corrections and all the things that are occurring, because it does present that opportunity. That's right. And I don't think that should be discounted by any means. That's right. Um, okay. So, again, just as, you know, we continue to kind of look forward here, it's interesting, you know, now that we are taking a look at, you know, kind of these headlines, the next big event coming up is just a couple of weeks away. And that will be the Fed, you know, talking about hiking rates. And, and we're going to have some articles on our website here in the next couple of days talking about that, that event risk. And what's interesting is, is this geopolitical risk is something that is weighing on the Federal Reserve. Because, again, this is a factor that impacts consumer confidence. And what they are most concerned about is keeping financial stability together. And this geopolitical risk certainly has a weight on financial stability. So this is also going to make it more difficult for the Fed to hike rates at a time where, you know, yield curves and other things are starting to suggest that we are likely approaching the next kind of recessionary moment in the economy sometime in 2023, probably, um, at this point. And the Fed's going to try, try is trying to hike rates. So the Fed may be in a very difficult position. So the next kind of big headline event risk for the markets outside of Russia, Russia, Russia is going to be Fed, Fed, Fed. And that's going to be in uh, about four weeks now. Speaking of the Fed, though, when can you think of a time ever that they've hiked rates with the indexes below their 200 day moving average? No. I mean, that, no, this is that's just what I'm saying. And and also too, if you take a look at the five year, one year forward curve, yep. it's it's below zero. And every time historically when that five one year when that five year one year forward curve is at zero, that's been the peak of rate hikes previously. And they haven't even hiked rates yet. A little bit behind the curve here. Just a, just a small smidge. So 
All right. Um, we had a problem with our uh, website last night. Um, it's back up online, but uh, we're going to have a daily commentary out tomorrow. So no daily commentary today, uh, but it will be back up and running tomorrow. We apologize. Make sure you give our website. Get our latest article on the Fed put. It's on the website now. What is it and where is it on the, on the markets? That's on our website now. If you, Of course, if you have any questions or comments uh, for myself, Danny, Richard, anybody, feel free to get to the website. Send us an email right there at the top of the web page. Just more information, whatever you want, realinvestmentadvice.com. Have a great day. We'll see you back here tomorrow for the Thursday edition of The Real Investment Show.